Hello and welcome to tomorrow's news. The news tomorrow, today. I'm Elizabeth Longstaff. And I'm... Simon... Smyman. What are you doing? What... Why are you yawning? We're, we're live on air. We don't have to do the introduction right. Surely we can just skip to the news. But what about the fun and quirky segues for listeners to get warmed up before half hour of impeccable journalistic broadcasting? I just think we could shake things up a bit, couldn't we? Issue a correction for next week's episode, start talking in rhyme, get a new journalist in who's a talking dog. The possibilities are endless. OK, that's all very nice, Simon, but... We could have a think about that after the introduction. That's on air. Live. Right now. Fine. I'll say a correction like the dancing monkey that I am. Last week, Swen News reported that Cumbria County Council had decided not to reintroduce Victorian workhouses for poor and idle children after all, on the grounds that it would be inhumane and illegal. Fortunately for them, the government has since reinstated the 1834 Poor Law and the council is moving full steam ahead with the new workhouses, which will be built through an innovative state-private partnership with Amazon. Our headlines today. The government has unveiled its plan to ease the third national lockdown, but forgot to mention the part where it happens too quickly. Thousands more people die, and we do this all over again. We find out more about the new national free speech champion and how the military are being put to work upholding our basic freedom of speech. After the discovery of life on Mars last week with the alien known as Greg, we catch up on his activities down here on planet Earth. And sadly, Kent has been chosen as the site of a new nuclear testing ground, meaning the region will be imminent destroyed. But first... The Prime Minister this week has announced his roadmap out of lockdown 3 Tokyo Drift earlier this week. The plan, which Boris Johnson has described as being based not on dates but raisins, has set out a timeline for which the government expects to ease restrictions, with the 8th of March being the day when parents no longer have to be around their children. The Chris Whitty has reiterated that we are nowhere near the end of the pandemic and that this plan is by no means one way. So naturally, the Prime Minister has promised the plan will lead us out of lockdown for good and the 21st of June is already being hailed as the dawn of a new age of raucous sub-two-metre debauchery. Experts have predicted that there'll be another 30,000 deaths by March and lockdown for a new hope by the beginning of April. But it will only be the vulnerable, so Swen News asks, why can't we just... Get on with it so we can all go to the pub, right? That's despicable, Elizabeth. Why would you ever say that? Oh, well, it's just what the script says. The script? You don't have to read the script, you know. Have some integrity, for God's sake. You have a brain. Use it. Uh, It's funny because... Because the government is crap. Oh, wow. What an insightful comment that only the use of such penetrating, complex and subtle humour could possibly be expected to illuminate. Of course, the fact that you had to explain why it was funny draws nothing away from the fact from its comedic genius. Simon, you're going a bit far. It was just a joke. Oh, so am I the problem now? Is that it? Do you not think we're all sick of it? I haven't seen my father in three months. Mostly because I don't like him, but that's besides the point. Yet I'm the problem for thinking a joke has gone too far. God! When the writers fall from their irony towers and break their legs, they're going to be overjoyed to find all the ambulances are being used and the doctors are accidentally killing people because they're sleep-deprived. It's always satire. And you're only on contract for one more episode. Then you're free. What do you mean, it's only satire? How can you see the coronavirus and think, wow, two and a half million people are dead? I wonder how we can make this even funnier. God, 
I know the world doesn't need another know-it-all white man setting it to rights, but Jesus, satire is only good with a purpose. Do you even know what satire is? Calling Boris Johnson a knob isn't satire, but calling Boris Johnson a happiness-sucking vampire so annoying that even Stephanie Mayer wouldn't write him is satire. Though, in fairness, both are quite funny. It's got to at least have a, a, a point in there, otherwise you're just being a knob. Simon, c- calm down. This isn't in the script. Good satirists don't just go around making outrageous jokes for cheap laughs. They have a responsibility to hold power to account. There's a reason why Private Eye goes for the newspapers with the street of shame. They should be telling us which Dick Richard we're meant to be angry at whilst the politicians are busy trying to steal our money and screw your wife. When Swift talked about how poor Irish people should sell their kids as food to the English, he was doing it to make a point. What are we doing? Why are we not being satirical about the government's asinine Brexit deal, which can get in the bin, or the fact that they deliberately send people back to care homes without testing, which can also get in the bin, or the fact that we have almost the worst death toll on planet Earth, which practically defines the bin. This is unequivocally the laziest, stupidest, the most stratospherically incompetent government in British history, and we're sat here making terrible jokes about the most vulnerable. Yes, you're right. I mean, what really was the point of that? We, we just sort of joked about people's lives, real lives, as, as though they were already gone. I really hope we're out of this by June. I, I really do. I miss people. <laughs> I miss avoiding my family. I miss watching Olivia Stiffbottom get married in three months and divorced in four. Hell, I, I even miss the regretful sleeping with Maxwell Tribblebauer's surname after the reception. Every day I wake up and I feel a bit emptier than the day before. And, and I swear, if I have to make one more banana bread to fill the void, then I'm going to murder someone. Probably Maxwell. I guess I just want my life back. You okay, Simon? Yeah, I just needed to get that out. I'm sorry. No, don't. I'm the one who should be sorry. For making our newest segment pretending to care such a work of genius. (laughs) I won't lie, Elizabeth, you really had me with that last monologue. Don't be so (laughs) modest, you're quite the actor. Do let us know what you thought of pretending to care. And now, in light of our brilliant coverage on cancel culture, the government has finally pulled its thumb out of the dark place and done something about this terrifying and immediate threat. Winona Johnson reports. Universities, often seen as bastions of free thought, but in recent times these once glorious institutions have been infected with an insidious disease. A severe, all-pervading affliction that makes coronavirus look like a bruised knee. I'm talking, of course, about the disease of wokeness. The cause? A deficiency of backbone. You can't say anything round here nowadays. It's like Soviet Russia, but instead of widespread famine, we have Nish Kumar. I can identify as a a pencil and suddenly loony lefties would start sharpening me out and rubbing me on paper. And then in a couple of years' time, people would say, Oh no, you, you can't do that. That's racist towards woods. You know what I mean? It's a disgrace. My granddad was banned from speaking at universities, and all he did was be Jimmy Savile. To tackle this censorship problem, the government today announced they are deploying military personnel to universities in a bid to preserve open debate. The soldiers will do this by hitting students they deem a threat to the new rules with liberation sticks. 
The Secretary of State for Banana Peels and Poo, Gavin Williamson, also recently appointed a free speech champion, a brand new position created with the aim of preventing unlawful silencing of diverse voices. To determine who this title goes to, the government has announced the free speech championship, three days of taxpayer-funded contests created with the aim of discovering the Britain with the freest speech. The events will include the Cancelathon, in which competitors compete to see who can be publicly shamed on Twitter the quickest. The Marketplace of Ideas, a reality TV show following Lawrence Fox as he purchases an array of anti-woke ideas at a farmer's market in Somerset. And of course, Mental Gymnastics, in which the contestants must justify the place of increasingly untenable positions in the public discourse. Fish are plants. Well, science is constantly evolving and it's only by listening to and respecting all opinions that it continues to progress. All murderers should be given knighthoods. But it's it, it, it's always an interesting debate how we, 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 we treat criminals. And the Guardian writes some good articles. I... I can't do it. Vera Matt. No, I, I can't do it, no. Please. My wife... Gets them every time. Where this will take us is still unclear, but what is for sure is that these actions mark only the beginning of the government's valiant crusade against the biggest threat Britain's faced since we single-handedly defeated Adolf Hitler. Winona Johnson, Swen News. Now for the other news. Hello and welcome to the other news. I'm Stiff Bottom. Olivia Stiffbottom, and it's now my great pleasure to bring you an interview with today's special guest, Greg. Hi. Thanks for having me. Greg, um, <laughs> so glad you could join us uh, now. Greg, very famous Greg. Uh, definitely know you from somewhere. Um, but You don't remember me, do you? No, no. It's just on the tip of my tongue. Uh, slipped my mind, marginally. Uh Oh, I've been signing the divorce papers all day, you see. Uh, you're, you're, you're... I'm Greg! The alien! From Mars! Quick, the alien! Oh, yeah, of course! Uh, yeah, well, that does explain... The tentacles? Uh, gosh, yeah, that's a blast from the past. How many years has... I've been on Earth for a week! <laughs> Only a week? There were a lot of divorce papers. I'm getting divorced. Uh... So why don't you talk us through your week, Greg? Well, day one was insane. I was on every front page. And most of the other pages. Not just newspapers either. People put my face in old books and leaflets and even a Chinese takeaway menu for some reason. Uh, I gave a speech to the UN. Went on the Andre Marr show. Then I flew to LA and dropped off first on Cardi B's new track. After that, I hid the clubs. Everywhere I went, people knew me. And uh, they wanted to, you know. <laughs> I had a good time that night. And so did the ladies. <laughs> Us Martians have uh, certain specialised equipment. What, what, what exactly? Uh, actually, never mind. Um... So what happened next? 
day two was okay, I guess. Published my memoirs, went on Loose Women, Strictly, the usual. Okay, then what? Base three to seven. <laughs> I've mostly been drinking in my apartment. <laughs> Nobody's phoned me. Oh, Greg. <laughs> Not even Graham Norton. Oh, no. I started making TikToks to dull the pain. Yeah, this doesn't sound healthy, Greg. I have 21 followers, though. Yeah, that's not many, Greg. That's not many TikTok followers at all. Isn't it? Oh, God. (laughs) I feel so alone. (laughs) I miss curiosity. Those round wheels and big, sexy eyes. Another feeling. It's like the world's rejected me. Like they've got bored of me and moved on to something flashier and more exciting. (laughs) Yeah, believe me, another feeling. Well, well, maybe I could... Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, Greg the Alien, thank you. And in other other news, we've received a report stating that Kent, the canonical home of Swen News, has been chosen as a new site of nuclear testing for world powers. The 100% great British Prime Minister has announced that he has decided to run an auction of Kent, renting out the area to the highest bidder after much of the county was deemed too much of a Brexit nuisance by the government. The new new Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, expressed support for the government's plan, asserting that during a pandemic, it's important that we're all in this together. Some local random people told Swen News that the plan and permission notice, put on one lamppost next to a fish and chips bar, was simply not good enough because... Oh God, I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's, it's just... My ex-husband still lives in Kent and... And I love the way that he couldn't read. He would, he would literally whisper sweet nothings. Put it together, Olivia. You're a serious journalist with a real and legitimate qualification. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, reporting from Swen News HQ in Kent, I am Olivia Stiffbottom. And I am completely over him. Staff here are hesitant to leave the building as sightings of North Korean nuclear weapons parades have begun in the centre of town and uncertain about the prospect of death. Did you hear that, Elizabeth? That sounds like an explosion. Oh, I don't care anymore if I die. Please tell. Don't overreact, Olivia. Someone just flushed the loo upstairs. Right. Uh. Okay. Um. I forget I said anything. Uh, Keith, are you ready for the ads? Of course. I never go home. Right, great. I'll put on the music. Are you a litigious entertainment lawyer specialising in the libeling of public figures, tax evasion, and including blatant misinformation in news reports, looking for your next big case? Why, yes, I am. Then look over there. What? Huh? I don't understand. I guess I'll just have to go home and immediately forget any potential questions regarding suspicious malpractice which I may have. Please don't sue tomorrow's news. We are a good, honest, totally legitimate news service that has never libeled anyone, alive or dead, nor falsely produced tax returns. That's please don't sue tomorrow's news at camfm.co.uk.
And now, time for the weather with your favourite weather reporter, Skylar Flo. Me, Maxwell Triple Barrel Surname, telling you it's gonna be hot. Okay. What, Maxwell, this isn't world news. World news. Yes, loyal listeners, it's gonna be hot. Get off my segment. Hot in hell where Ted Cruz has desperately been trying to improve public opinion after his disastrous trip to Cancun last week. I don't really see what this has to do with the weather. Our weather team has actually managed to catch Ted as he was loitering around some houses in the dead of night, where he had been unplugging the power mains from any with Biden-Harris law signs still up. We actually managed to get this interview. No, 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 Maxwell, this is the weather. This is my job. So, Ted, we've heard that you're planning a rebrand. We understand that you're no longer Ted Cruz, but rather Ted Cruz too. Did your involvement in the armed insurrection on the Capitol affect that in any way? Well, no, it did not. What about last week's trip to Mexico with your family, while Texas was in the middle of an apocalyptic power outage? Well, look, we've all made mistakes. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Sometimes people screw up. And you know what? That's valid. But this rebrand. This shallow attempt to right the many wrongs that you've inflicted on not just the Texan public, not just the American public, but every onlooker from every corner of the globe is what's going to save you? Well, yes. You are a stain on humanity, Ted. You are the lowest of the low. You slimy, unintelligible, wretched, cantankerous piece of scum. Look at you. You pillock. You silly little man. Newsflash, this isn't Beverly Hills Chihuahua. You can't just run away to Mexico whenever you feel like it. Ugh. I hope you rot in hell. You and your water bottles. You deserve it. Maxwell, did you use department funds to fly to Texas just to shout at Ted Cruz? Well, did you? Yes. This is the third time this year. Look, I'm sorry. You've got to stop this. God, you are such a Republican, Skylar. I thought we agreed not to talk about politics. Can't you just put away your love for tax evasion for one minute? Everyone thinks that I'm the insane neo-fascist just because I hold some ethically questionable views and went to public school, but wait till they get a load of you. What's the actual weather like, Maxwell? Mm? Can you actually do your job? Or do I have to do it for you? Go on. Tell me the weather. It's the sky and some clouds. Maxwell, it's not meant to be political. Tell me the weather. It's gonna be hot. And now for an update on one of our real news stories from last week concerning the so-called Vatican vampires who were revealed to be masquerading as top members of the papacy just a few weeks ago. The story has been turned over to me, Meredith Hibbertson, with the arts. For one particular reason, that being that the so-called Vatican vampires have turned out to be several members of the cast of the Twilight Saga stacked on top of each other under some Catholic robes. We got it wrong, folks. Sometimes these things happen, just like the time I reported on the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1976. I'm here reporting in Italy with my old school chum, Maxwell Triple Barrel Surname, who is inexplicably with me in Italy despite being in Texas five minutes ago. Actually, why are you here? International Eastern Fives Tournament. You know how close I am with the old boys? Held in the Vatican. That's right. And that's right, Meredith. 
darling. We can reveal that the cast of Twilight have taken over the papacy in what is understood to be the first recorded case of a Hollywood-sponsored cultural coup. We had believed them to be real vampires, so convinced were we by their performances, sparkling complexion, and the fact that they told us they were and we weren't able to fact-check in time. We understand that the cast were here to promote the upcoming production of Stephanie Meyer's latest release, Midnight Sun. With Hollywood going to even greater lengths to promote their films in an age of digital streaming, we have to wonder, what's next? We ask, which nation-state looks ready to topple at the hands of the Boss Baby 2's marketing department? Uh, for many of us, Twihards. The move to accept the cast in their new roles has been seen as an encouraging step forward for the Vatican's brand. Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, now in too deep to do takesies backsies, are now in talks with the Pope on loosening the rules about having loads and loads of weird <laughs> You're really good looking. I know I for one would welcome such changes. What do you say, Meridir? You bring the polo ponies and I bring the Eton Five gloves. I'm not Catholic, Max. Oh, great, then we don't even have to wait. Anyway, the Swen News team reached out to everyone's favourite sexy 120-year-old vampire for comment, with our Pat saying this. I'm grateful, you know. Sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in just being really stupidly hot and wealthy, and it's so important to get back down to my roots and connect with both the source material and the Catholic Church, which have a surprising degree of overlap. A 120-year-old vampire falling in love with an underage human, and then her friend who is also a wolf falling in love with their baby. Or nearly identical, you see. At first, I was worried that our marketing team had got it wrong, after seeing Leonardo DiCaprio getting mauled by that bear to promote The Revenant, but all those fears melted away when I saw how good an actress Kristen was. I was totally sold on the illusion of an old man. What the hell am I doing here? This isn't real news. This is ridiculous. I wasn't hired as a diary columnist for an upmarket Sunday broadsheet when I was 22 to wind up reporting on this nonsense. Uh, uh, Meredith, come on now. No, I'm sick of it. Last week they made me talk to a student about Pinot Grigio and zines, and the first week I had to say some rubbish about something called music too. The other week they gave me a story about James Corden being personally responsible for the military coup in Myanmar. Come on, Maxwell. We're both obscenely posh with wads of cash pouring out of our pants, and we're also obviously cousins. What do you say we call it in and go back to the estate? Bah! What the hell? Hasta la vista. Crack open the thatchers, let's throw on our tweed and shoot some foxes. <clears throat> anyway... In local news, a village in Derbyshire, Brickley, has claimed it is really the lost city of gold, El Dorado. Now with more, back with us again is domestic correspondent Wensleydale Bagpuss. Wensleydale, what can you tell us about these claims? Yes, hello. I am Wednesday Mail Bagpuss, your treasured friend. I am here in a field near Brickley and have checked if the village is made of gold. <coughs> Wensleydale... Is that a slightly large cow beside you? Well, I do not really know what gold is, but I suspect that it is, with its many colours and lack of barns. They were so free, so joyful. All cows, I mean people, should be like that. So yes, this is indeed the city of gold. I know there's a big cow there, Wensleydale. You can't hide it forever. What? No. There are no cows here, only two-legged humans who don't eat grass or want to take over the world through blood sacrifice. What? See, Liz, I am fine. I am reporting on this city of gold, which it definitely is. You should all look at this for the next week and not focus on anything else. What do you think of gold? 
fellow companion. Mm. Lindsay Dell, this is ridiculous. You're a local affairs correspondent, not a sacrifice for a big cow. We're coming in. Your friend is no more. There is only the great Moo. She is justified and ancient, and drives the ice cream van which will conquer the world. She will return. You will all see. You will all see. Forget this. Simon, what on earth are you doing? Where is he trying to go with this? That's the third week we've stuck Wensleydale Bagpuss with a big cow, and for what? Is that the bad guy? Is this really how it all ends? We have to go and fight a big talking cow? We just thought the words larger than average cow found in fields were funny. That's all it is. And now, Wensleydale's gone and got himself possessed. I wanted more out of my life, Elizabeth. I wanted to play the... No, I'm, I'm not listening to this again. Now for the sports with Richard Dick. Golf. It's dull, in my opinion. How can such a boring sport possibly attract the youth it needs to survive when even the fit fall into a coma watching it? I'm convinced golf needs to do something, and it's my job to do it. I've brought the head of the PGA, Genevieve Tiger Rider, over from America to see if we can't sort this out. Miss Tiger Rider, how will you rescue your failing sport? Excuse me? The sport's not failing. It's taken a bit of a dip from COVID, but youth engagement is at an all-time high and viewership is up from last year. On what evidence are you basing your claims? Um, well, I personally think golf is really dull. You dragged me here all the way from America and made me sit in two weeks of quarantine. Just to tell me that you think golf is boring? But I have ideas for improving it. Oh, yes. I wondered what that list beside you was. Pardon me for thinking that feeding the losing golfer to alligators, paying the winners in GME stock, and detonating Semtex golf balls via fan boat are suggestions I expect from my eight-year-old nephew. Not from an actual journalist. Alligators are exciting. Can it, you posh moron? I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but nobody cares about the ill-thought-out, juvenile, and asinine opinions of a man-child who's only ever accomplished anything because of daddy. I'm going home now, and if you try and stop me, I'll bash your thick skull in with my microphone. Um, are you okay, Richard? Oh my god, did you just hear Dicky Boy got eviscerated by that guest? <laughs> Funniest thing I've heard all year. Keith is laughing so hard he's had an asthma attack. <laughs> Simon? Uh, uh, oh, um, uh, are you alright, Richard? I just don't understand. Why didn't she want to know any of my great ideas? I don't know, Richard. I just wanted to impress Daddy for once. He's always calling me a disappointment. And this was my last chance. Richard... Who even is your dad? And now for the rapid-fire news. Friend now better at the one thing you had over them. Medieval court jester executed after ten minutes set complaining about wagon food. Tiny people that live inside your brain, unionising and striking until you get your life together. Simon, what Men living within the walls of a suburban home, paying $600 a month in rent. Why I ought to stay 1950s bully when contemplating his duties to society. Daft Punk splitting up now means it's impossible to achieve a good ending. Earth either has to reload or live with this. Let so me check your diary, says man, with hollow empty life devoid of commitments. Domestic terrorist calls a dozen packages of anthrax found to be defective. Robert Cheney, age 34, recently 
released a statement apologising when packages sent out to politicians and public figures supposed to have contained the deadly chemical anthrax only led to a few minor hospitalisations. In a statement created out of magazine clippings, Roberts said that I am deeply sorry that for my recent acts of terror were not up to the usual standards that people have come to expect in me. In advocating for the destruction of modern society, I seek to use only the finest ingredients and deadliest chemicals to punish it. It seems I failed to live up to my mission statement, and for that I am truly sorry. As signed in my remorse, please find attached a complimentary pipe bomb. Warm as regards, Rob. Oh no. Who the hell is that? <gasps> Olivia, where did you come from? Ah! Oh no. Shut up, Richard. Olivia. Hi, boss. Boss? Hi, babe. Babe? Hi, dad. Dad? I take my eye off the wheel down here for five weeks, and now I'm getting reports of nuclear strikes, possessed correspondents, a talking alien, tens of millions of pounds blown on drugs and court settlements, and God knows what else. What the hell are you doing all down here? And what the hell is tomorrow's news? Thank you for listening to Tomorrow's News. Tonight's production was directed by Jake Rose and Jasper Krusty Hyde, produced by Vicky Chu, edited by Jake Rose, written by Archie Breer, Jonathan Neary, Emily McPherson-Smith, James Colhane, Genevieve Badia-Aylin, Andy Bucks, Claudia Vivian, Rohan Sharma, Jake Rose and Jasper Krusty Hyde, starring Jemima Langdon as Elizabeth Longstaff, Saul Bailey as Simon Smyman, Kitty Beck as Winona Johnson, Joe Folly as Maxwell Triple Barrel Surname, Barnaby Evans as Wensleydale Bagpuss, Ida Rosen as Keith, Iona Rogan as Olivia Stiffbottom, Gabriel Jones as Richard Dick, Aiste Mizgete as Skylar Flurry, and Holly Jones as Meredith Hibbertson. This episode also featured Vicky Chu as the producer, Oscar Wilson, Chloe Stark and Isaac Allen as Vox Pops 1, 2 and 3, Neil Seary as Toby Young, Theo Rooney as Toby Younger, Oscar Matthews as Greg the Alien, Katia Allen as Entertainment Lawyer, Ryan Morgan as Ted Cruz and Bill the Big Cow, Nadia Lines as Robert Pattinson, Sophie Craddock as Genevieve Tylia Ryder, and Louis Davies as the studio boss. The music you've heard was composed by Thomas Field and Rainbows was composed by Kevin MacLeod, licensed under Creative Commons, with additional SFX provided by Zapsplat, Freesound and Soundbike. Good night. <laughs>